CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, we're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square on this September Friday. The guy's getting ready behind me. And while they're doing that, here's what's coming up on Options Action. One index is surging, and the chartmaster Carter Worth says it spells gains for one lagging industrial stock. Plus, risk one, make three. Mike Coe is a way to triple your money in Netflix in just one month. Stranger things have happened. And... Bonds are tumbling, but it's not giving a boost to banks. Dan Nathan says that could spell trouble. He's got the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And that is where we start tonight. Good evening, everybody, with the bond yield breakout, the 10-year yield touching 3% for the first time since the beginning of August. The third rail has been a key level for rates. Typically, banks should be enjoying the ride higher, but the financials have been stuck in the mud. The sector's flat on the year. So let's get in the money right now. Dan, you're playing the banks. Yeah, so it's not even just on the year. I mean, on the week, you know, the S&P closed up 1%. The XLF, the ETF that tracks uh, most of the major banks and uh, investment banks was down 1% in the week. And there was a newsy week in the banks. I mean, there was some decent news um, out of Goldman. There was some decent news out of J.P. Morgan. There was some decent news out of City. This is on the fundamental front. Um, the stocks couldn't rally. Wells Fargo, I, I don't know if you guys have checked this thing out. It just broke the downtrend, or excuse me, the uptrend that has been in from the April lows. The, the regulators are still all over that. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, gets in a pissing match with the president. Goldman, Goldman was down for like 10 straight days. So, yeah, it was a so, You know, I look at it and I say to myself, I'm not certain what they're going to be able to say on Q3 earnings when we get into mid-October that's going to take this sector up. It's had massive underperformance. I think you just define your risk with put spreads in, in October, or excuse me, out to November, which will really catch the bulk of the components of the XLF. Um, and I'll just get to the trade. I mean, it's pretty simple here. Option prices are relatively cheap in the XLF. Today, when it was trading at 28.20, you could look at November expiration. You could buy the 28.26 put spread, paying 40 cents for that, buying one of the November 28 puts for 58 cents, selling one of the November uh, 26s at 18 cents. It costs you 40 cents. It breaks even at 27.60. You make up to 160 between 27.60 um, and 26 bucks. That's a four to one payout. I like the risk reward there. It doesn't really, I'll let you speak to the charts. It doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of oomph to the upside here. And if the fundamental news gets worse, these stocks are going down. I mean, look, what we know is that financials are such an important part of the market. And it's not so much a rate thing now. Whether it's 315 or 285, basically the cost of 10-year money is stuck at 3%. And financials, big ones, Morgan Stanley down 10, uh, Goldman Sachs down 10. You're talking about BlackRock down almost 20, Ben Franklin, Invesco down 35. Yeah. Asset managers not working. Um, Are they that important to the market? I, I well, can almost well, take issue with that at this well, point. Well, sure, sure. They're the sort of second or third biggest by weight in, this, in the S&P. But in terms of the lifeblood of the system, the most important sector by far. And they're not acting well. I mean, as a plain, simple sort of... It's really incredible that the market's been able to do what it's been able to do without with virtually any participation from the financials. There, I mean, there are two components to the success for financials. One, which we commonly talk about, which is their interest margins, which you would expect with rising rates, would improve. But the other, of course, is the fundamentals of their business, which includes, among other things, commercial loan growth, the housing market, those types of things. The luxury housing market, at the very least, seems in many markets to have peaked a little bit. 
you know, those types of weaknesses, have we reached peak auto? That's another area of uh, heavy finance, so that would obviously be an issue. And just speaking specifically to Dan's trade here, looking out to November, right now the implied volatility in XLF is less than 15%. That's versus probably about a 17% average. Because it is essentially an index of financial institutions, implied volatility, it's kind of an index is typically going to be low. This is much lower than normal. It makes it a very good value if you're thinking either about hedging exposure to the space or if you're thinking about just a general hedge to the market. And if you're looking, obviously, at making a bearish bet in XLF specifically, it makes a lot of sense. Give me the last word on Yeah, that. so when you look at the components and you look at, you know, J.P. Morgan and Bank of America are the only two in the group, in the top ten groups, that they're actually up on the year. So you look at the investment banks, like you mentioned, Goldman had that horrible streak, Morgan Stanley. If there is bad news out of these, you could get a flush out of those, and then you could kind of get uh, a move back to 105 in J.P. Morgan. You're going to have the XLF back at 26 if that's the case in the next two months. All right, switching gears. Transports hitting the road again, hitting an all-time high today. Check out some of the best performers in the group. United Airlines, Landstar, FedEx, and Norfolk Southern all making big runs over the past month. Carter, Braxton, Worth, what are you looking at? Look at FedEx. So one thing we know, of course, just take the Dow Jones transports versus the Dow Jones industrial average. The Dow Jones industrial average has not made the new high, and we know that the transports have. In fact, that chart shows you right there, and what I'm going to do here is just zoom in, and what you can see is that we have made the new high, whereas just to keep in your mind's eye that the, the Dow is still below its January peak. So what I'm thinking here is in an area that is leading as of now, find a lagging stock. And so to that end, um, I want to talk about FedEx. So FedEx, having not made it to the high, as uh, distinct from the transportation average itself, I think this is an opportunity for a catch-up trade. So a couple ways to draw the lines. Here is, first of all, how much it's lagged year-to-date. The spread, you can see the numbers, is very clear, right? Nine versus up two. And I think that's the opportunity. So the chart itself of FedEx, no annotations or drawings by me, and then here are the lines as I see it. And so what we know we have is a well-defined reaction to the low, again, and then to the high, to the high, and we are sitting here right in the apex of this uh, triangle, wedge, whatever you want to call it. The judgment is, is that we are going to break out and that FedEx will do what the index has already done get back to and exceed its prior high. All right, good stuff. Mikey, what's the trade? Yeah, so, I mean, Federal Express is an interesting case, of course, because like UPS, they have a secular tailwind. Obviously, I think we all know that the one maybe dark cloud on the horizon might be that Amazon is looking to potentially compete with them. But frankly, that's a long ways off, I think. It's going to take a long time for Amazon to get into a place, and it's a capital, you know, capital intensive business for them to compete here. We also have, in FedEx's case, we've got earnings coming up next week. Just taking a look, you typically like to look out about 60 to 90 days. If you just take a look a month out after earnings, Federal Express typically moves about 7.5% in the month following earnings. So if we're going to look out 60 days, we're probably looking at a fairly considerable move. And so right now, with options premiums actually not being elevated, despite the fact that it's going to be announcing, I was looking specifically out to November. You could buy the 60 
280 call spread. The 260 calls were trading about $7.70 when I was looking at this earlier today. The 280s, about $1.80. And the idea here is that we're going to get to capture some of that upside. We have seen that the moves in a comparable period of time when you have earnings can be fairly significant. I mean, just take a look at the last quarter, for example. Stock fell almost 9% in the month following earnings. A couple quarters before that, the stock rose about 13.5%. So here I'm looking at about 10% upside, a little over 60 days. And just because the options seem very reasonably priced, you know, you can use options on the long side, buying premium in situations like this where they're inexpensive and we expect a stock to move. And I expect this one too. Yeah, so Mike's kind of targeting uh, the premium that he's paying for this $20 wide, getting it back to those prior highs, about a quarter of the width of the spread. And that makes total sense. I mean, on a risk reward basis and getting that time out to November makes sense. I just wonder, here's a stock that is obviously really cheap. I mean, it really is expected growth here, but it seems that the lack of performance relative to its peers, relative to the broad market, it's telling you that this is one of those names that's kind of right in the mix about, oh, are we slowing? globally? Are we slowing here? And for some reason, trading about 13 times expected EPS growth of 15% next year. I don't know why it's trading at such a discount. So to me, I'm just a little apprehensive going into this earnings print next week after such a sharp move that you could see this thing, even on good numbers, not really outperform That's the really implied That's a good movement. point. When you yeah. take a look at valuation, what is it that the market is seeing that we're not, when it's trading at a pretty material discount, and it is looking at those types of growth rates, companies targeting 10% margins. It has less than that now and about 10% growth. You put those two together, the thing does seem monumentally cheap. But again, that speaks to why options make sense in yep. this case, because if earnings reveal the reason that it's trading at this discount, we're not going to be exposed to a material bit of downside here. But if it turns out that that valuation is a compelling buy, we are going to get to participate on the upside. My hunch is, again, that this is the kind of thing where in the event that the earnings are decent, you get a pretty good catch-up trade. And if they're a little light, that the stock at the discount that it's trading probably holds in pretty well. Okay. Got a question for us? Send us a tweet to Options Action. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, check out our super cool newsletter as well. It's what I read every Friday night. Really? Yeah, you do. Okay. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. How would you like to triple your money in Netflix in just one month? No. It's just Mike Coe's Options Trade and he will break it down. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on Options Action. AT&T launching a new app and ramping up competition in the hotly contested streaming space dominated right now by Netflix. Julia Borson's in L.A. with more details on the app, what it could mean for Netflix. Hey, Julia. Well, Scott, AT&T's Warner Media is launching another entry into the streaming wars. This one is for its comic book brand and is called DC Universe. The subscription app costs $8 a month, the same price as Netflix's basic service, or $75 annually. You'll get access to thousands of hours of movies and TV series featuring DC superheroes, such as Superman and Batman, plus access to thousands of comic books, 
a community for fans and exclusive merchandise. Now, in addition to library content, Warner Brothers is producing original series for the service, the first of which, called Titans, launches next month. Now, this is more of a niche subscription service for superhero fans, but is entering a crowded market of all of the streaming options, including HBO Go, also from AT&T's Warner Media, plus Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Prime Video, among others. And next year, Disney is launching its own streaming service that will feature rival superheroes, Marvel content, along with Disney-branded shows and movies, films from Lucasfilm, Pixar, and other family-friendly fare, such as Disney nature documentaries. Now, CEO Bob Iger said that service will cost less than Netflix, so that also means less than DC Universe. Now, DC Universe's pricing makes it a too, true test of whether niche over-the-top services can work and how well AT&T can market the offerings from its new acquisition. AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson has talked a lot about the value that he sees in direct-to-consumer distribution, saying the Warner Brothers catalog is not being put to work, and Warner Media chief John Stanky is working on a new direct-to-consumer model to be announced later this year. And when it comes to competition with Netflix, Stevenson said that his HBO is Tiffany to Netflix's Walmart. Guys, back over to you. All right, Julia. Thanks so much. Julia Borson out in L.A. Well, Mike's not only betting that the streaming giant will survive the competition, he also sees Netflix returning to its highs. He's at the plasma with a call to action. Mike. Yeah, so we're talking about Netflix, obviously. This is the 400-pound uh, gorilla in the room, if you will, 800 pounds, whichever. Uh, we're taking a look at making a bullish bet, and here's the thing. So first of all, the stock is in a bullish trend, and secondly, we do have an identifiable catalyst coming up in the form of earnings, which they're going to be announcing in October. So we have something that could make the stock move fairly sharply. And finally, taking a look at those moves, what we've noticed is that the current price of options is implying a move lower than that which we've actually experienced. It's implying a move of just about 7% on earnings. Actually, over the last eight quarters, it's averaged about 8%. So right now, options are looking like a decent value. What we're targeting, essentially, are these prior highs, and we're trying to avoid, basically, a return to these levels if that's what we're going to be taking a look at. So taking a look at the trade, specifically, I'm just looking to capture that October catalyst. I was specifically looking at the 375 415 call spread. These were $18.60 when I was looking at those earlier today, and I could sell these 415 calls against it for $6.15. Net net, I'm spending just under $12.5 for this $40 wide call spread. And let's take a look at why I'm still looking at selling that upside call despite the fact that the options premiums are slightly lower. The reason for that is to improve our odds of success. So you'll notice that the chances that the stock gets to 387, which is the break even on this call spread, sometime between now and October expiration is about 70%. Reaching that higher level, if I didn't sell that, only 55%. And the 415 calls that I'm selling, there's only about a 40% chance that between now and October expiration, the stock actually reaches that higher strike price. So by using this call spread, we're going to mitigate some of that decay, but also improve our odds of success, seeing this thing profitable sometime between now and October expiration. All right, Mikey, thank you very much. You want to comment on this trade first? Sure. Uh, I mean, just in terms of the stock itself, sometimes, uh, it's quite a bit of the time, a stock is fair priced. Now, if you just think about the trajectory that Netflix has traveled, to about a great ascent, peaked in June at 425, and then plunged to an August low of 312, down 26%. Okay, maybe there's an opportunity there, but it's already rebounded up 20% back to uh, the 365 level. It's exactly a 50% retracement from the peak in June, 425, the low of 312. 
at this point, a lot of energy has been expended already, and I'm thinking that it's sort of range-bound stuck, and it'll be time that'll maybe uh, help higher. But on a week-over-week -week basis, even out a month or two, I just don't think this is going to I mean, given that expectation, though, and this is a stock that has had a history of moving fairly sharply on earnings. I mean, over the last eight quarters, probably about an 8% move just the day following, and over the period immediately prior to and immediately following, a more substantial move than that. Do you think that earnings won't be a catalyst no, at all, given that's this right. kind of move? And that would make sense. But there is also, again, it's about the setup. If we were closer to the low, I would think you would have the energy to follow through. I think you might have um, used up some of that fuel, despite the statistics that say it should move a lot on its numbers. So, and on the trade, you know, so your first call spread you did on FedEx, you were targeting like basically a quarter of the width of the whole spread, right? And so when you look at a trade like this that has a high probability of being in the money over the life of your trade, you know, you're, this trade now has a much higher probability of being in the money than the FedEx one, but you're risking more to make less. In this situation, you're risking one to maybe make two, two and a half sort of thing. So to me, with those high probabilities, you know, you're also risking more. So if you get the direction wrong on this one, you're going to have higher losses, three, four percent of the stock price. Yeah, that's true. Of course, one of the things that the historical move in the stock tells us is that if you were to reach out and buy the stock here, maybe for the reasons that it has expended a lot of the energy that you've suggested, maybe because over the over the course of the last eight quarters, the thing has moved fairly sharply on earnings. That's the risk you're taking. You buy 100 shares of this stock, you're going to spend over $30,000. So one call is going to cost you 1245 bucks. You have exposure to 100 shares. And, you know, this depends a little bit on your view. But, you know, one important thing, when you use something like a call spread or calls to express a bullish view, you're also expressing a little bit of skepticism about the downside risk. That's what you're trying to mitigate. Otherwise, you just go out and buy the stock. One of the other reasons that we use options to make bullish bets is so that we don't face that same downside. You risk. are right, though. This, this stock on earnings generally moves sharply one way or the other. Yeah, uh, that's... So the, you, I mean, if you play the, the trend... It's likely going to do that. Well, again. but but I want to well, just have one. But you got to get the direction right. But, but after well, twenty percent, you know, that's probably why you're using options. Right. Maybe that's why. Well, I well, no, that's you exactly know. right. setup was really interesting. All of a sudden, competition is getting really, really crowded. When you think about Netflix with about a hundred sixty billion dollar market cap, that's equal to Disney's market cap. And one thing that she didn't say about these competing streaming services is that Disney is pulling all of their content off of Netflix. So once you start seeing that by more of this competition, the trend may start to be lower lows and lower highs in this thing because we really haven't seen the competition that's, come yet. That's it's probably why they're trying to come up with their own content, though. Every streaming company wants to have some proprietary content so that they have must something that's must-see. That justifies the subscription. Subscriber growth is what ultimately it's all about, and they're trying to make sure they still get that. All right. Good stuff. Up next, cloud stocks. What have they been doing? They've been flying high this year, and that is good news for one trader who made a big bet on one name. We're live at the NASDAQ this evening in Times Square. On this Friday, much more options action is right after this break. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on Options Action. It is time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last week, Mike and Carter said the beaten down energy space was gearing up for a rebound. I mean, you can literally see how precise these lows are. And it's my bet that we're going to snap back a bit here, that we're going to throw back to a level where you're likely to make it back towards 
this downtrend line. I was looking out to October, the 21, 23, 25 call spread risk reversal, which is very slightly in the money. This closed around 23.20, so it's about 20 cents in the money. You could spend 50 cents for that package. And they were correct. The OIH oil services ETF jumping more than 3% since the time of the trade. So what are you doing now? Well, we only trade from settlement. And this obviously makes the most money at or, you know, 25 bucks. After that, your, your gains are kept. We're at 24.20 as of today's close. So that means you've only got, you know, 80 cents at best worth of further upside here. And more risk, of course, because we're short that put and we're now in, in, in the money call spread. My inclination looking at the options would be to take profits here. 100%. Very much looking for a balance, a trade, a short-term thing in a downtrend. We had that. Walk away. Yeah. All right. Also, last week, Dan said cloud stock box could be setting up for a move higher. Last week, Box reported earnings. It kind of disappointed. The stock sold off a little bit. They pushed out their $1 billion revenue, annual revenue target, uh, about a year and a half or so from prior guidance. The stock sold off. I think it makes sense to look at this thing right now. The stock was trading at $24.65. I could sell the January 2019 strike 20 put way out of the money. The stock's at $24.65 right now. I can sell that at $0.65, cents and I can buy one of the January 2019 expiration 30 calls for $0.95. Cents. Okay, the stock rallying nearly 2% since the time of the trade. So what do you do with Box now? Yeah, I think the stock acts okay, and I think the sentiment in the space is really good, and that's why we wanted to look at well, one of the much smaller names. I think this is clearly a takeout candidate. If you look at how much Adobe and market cap has moved since last week, it's moved Box's market cap. I think this is a tuck-in sort of acquisition for no shortage of larger software companies, and that's why we looked at January expiration. That's why we had these wide spreads on the put to the downside, the call to the upside. So to me, as the thing moves to the high 20s, you're going to want to cover that downside put and keep that uh, January 30 call on. Okay, up next, we'll get to your tweets and, of course, the final call. Welcome back. It's time to take your tweets. Our first fan, Jay, asks, what do you think about selling short the September 170 strike call for Red Hat into earnings next week. Danny, we'll give you that. Yeah, so uh, Mike and I were just talking about in the break. We don't like it. We don't like it against long stock. We don't like it outright. It's a 10 delta option, so you have a high probability of success, but a lot of risk. All right, we got 20 seconds for final call. CB Dubs, you're up first. Uh, you know what? I'm trying to. What, what, what was my trade? FedEx. FedEx. We're use call FedEx spreads there. Long. FedEx long. You mean to stump you there? Uh, call spreads. <laughs> yeah, XLF puts spreads in over. All right, good stuff, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for watching as well. Have a great weekend. Does it for us on Options Action. We're back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Don't go anywhere, though. Why? Because Mad Money with Jim Cramer is next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.